Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. Hey, Rob. How you doing? Hey, Rick. What's your name? Well, apparently you already know it. Well, so. <laughs> go ahead and throw in your last name. Hi, uh, my name's Rick. Um, happy to be here. Gromlich. Gromlich is my last G-R-A-U-M-L-I-C-H. There you go. Gromlich. Yep. Good German name. Yep. How you doing, Rob? Um, I'm doing all right. Doing good, okay. Good, uh, good. We are, for listeners listening, you guys might be picking up on some of the noise. We are in beautiful... Sunny South Florida. Sunny South Florida. And by South Florida, we mean Naples. Rob, there's another person who's a radio personality, not quite as famous as us. Oh, okay. Who okay. Um, is very famous for broadcasting out of sunny South Florida. If you can name that person within five seconds of me saying go, I will give you something. Go. Is it the Bible guy? <laughs> okay, one. Eh, eh. Yeah, you ran out of time, but two, the Bible guy. That's uh, the most random. Is, is, is the Bible answer um, guy, whoever that Bible, guy is? The Bible guy? The Bible answer man? Yeah. Can that, you name him? No. Didn't he go Greek Orthodox or something? Dude, he went Greek. Yeah, he went Greek Orthodox. Yeah, I don't Hank remember Hank Yeah, is that him? Nope. Ah. Not at all. Small, little, little small town radio um, host. Are you going to say something about Ligonier? Named um, Rush Limbaugh. Don't know if oh, you for that. real? Oh, yeah. I know Rush is down here. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not too many people have heard of him. Yeah. But he's not as big as us. He's, uh, he's, he's down here as well. I mean, physically, he is. <laughs> okay. It's he a little bigger. Stage four cancer, okay? Does he seriously? No, don't, don't even. Did you not watch the State of the Union address? Oh, man, I feel bad. I didn't know that. I thought you were a patriot. Because <laughs> I don't listen to Rush. I'm not a patriot. No, you don't watch the State of the Union. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't watch that. Yeah, exactly. It's all right. Dang, man. I didn't know that. Yep. What kind of cancer? I think lung cancer. <sighs> I gun. think. Could be wrong. Maybe it's pain. I don't know. That's sad. But, hey, it is what it is. That's really sad. He um, got the uh, Congressional... No, it wasn't Congressional. Presidential Medal of Freedom. Maybe it was a Congressional Medal of Freedom, but the Congress didn't give it to him, so it couldn't have been. A, he got a Medal of Freedom. Okay, he got at, a medal. He got a medal. A pretty significant medal. And he's medal. free. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> Anyway, we are here in sunny South Florida uh, recording an episode on the Confessions. Yep, right next to the pool. Right next to the There's pool. There's a little waterfall going. A little lawnmower action. You might hear yeah, some you might birds hear a lawnmower. in the background. Yep. This, is, this is authentic. Yeah, you guys, and you might hear our wives talking in the background. About us. They've got their feet kicking in the pool, um, the hot tub portion of the pool. However, not so hot. It's not so hot. The pool and the hot tub, but, neither of which are heated, which I didn't think would be a problem with the pool, yeah. considering we're in Florida. But the water's really cold. It's not that cold. It's actually. too cold. It's not that cold. I will not be swimming. Robert's a big pansy. It's it's too cold. There's a... Pansy. No, what was that? I was just going to say gator, but we're in Florida, yeah, so people make an alligator going gator. by. Yeah, a utility vehicle. Anyway, people are people are, people are are tuning out by now. Yeah, probably. But we're, uh, we're back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. Cool. We made a nice little target run today. Yeah. Yeah, I picked up some stuff, most notably... Some new pair of shoes. A pickleball set. Oh, yes. Planning on playing some pickleball later. Yep, yep, yep. So um, that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. And just to throw it out there, guys, um, Rick is one of the most awkward people to walk through the store with. Oh, this was good. This so was good. I'm I'm walking, and I'm telling trying Finley. To, trying to find a, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm t- okay, you can tell the story, yeah. your, your story after this one. This is a good and one, I, too. And I'm telling Finley, you got, you got to hold my hand, Finn. She's almost two. This is starting she wants to started, run off and do her own thing. the airport, though. Really. This, oh, this was at the yeah, airport. Yeah. This wasn't at. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is at the airport. And so I'm telling him, you got to hold my hand. got to hold my hand. And so she's holding my hand, and Rick's holding Will's hand. 
Yes. And Finley, Rick, no, Finley reaches out to hold my hand. Okay. Finley's a, a just a sweetest little two-year-old girl, and she wants to hold my so hand. So she's got me on one side and Rick on the other. And typically, when a kid holds the hands See, this is of an adult on both sides, it usually signifies that that's her. Those are her parents. And so Rick takes her hand, and we're walking and like swinging. And I'm like, uh-uh, nope, Finley, let go, let go. This Rob is too weird, let go. Out. And yeah, it took a little bit, but about, eventually she he's she let like people's go. thoughts. And he yeah, I was a little concerned a, that we were sending the wrong heterosexual message. And, and just I'm a secure heterosexual, but I, I was a little no. I was a little worried about no. what message we were sending. All right, well, what what, what was the story that you had? Oh yeah, no. So we're so we're in Target today, and we're we're um, picking Robert up a pickleball set. Have the kids, and our wives are, are uh, buying some clothes, right? Yeah. Just a couple shirts, and like. I come around to the section where all the, the women's clothing, where they were just a few oh, moments ago. Yeah. And I don't see them anywhere. And I hear some people back in the changing room. And there's uh, an attendant there who works at the store, whatever. And I said, um, are there two women back there changing? And she said... And before she responds, though, I'm like, that's an awkward question to said, ask. Yep. I said, okay. I think they're probably our wives. We're looking for our wives. And about uh, two minutes later, our wives come walking up in a completely different direction. And yeah. we're like, all right. Those were those women are were not our wives. <laughs> they were not our wives. And that lady probably thought I was crazy. Yep. But that happens a lot. I, I hope the two women that were in the changing rooms were like in their mid eighties or something. <laughs> <laughs> those are probably our wives. <laughs> the lady's probably like, they must be really rich. What? <laughs> <laughs> These are their kids. <laughs> oh oh anyway. man. Okay, so today, shifting gears, we are talking about it's a hard shift. <laughs> yeah. We're in the confessions. Um, unlike our fake wives, who were potentially old, the confessions are old. I don't. Know. <laughs> I was wondering how you're gonna try to segue that. <laughs> yeah. right. um, old confessions. And good so, confessions. Good confessions. And in light of some other stuff, they're not that old. They're, I mean, they're, they might be in their prime. So <laughs> we're, we're only, talking about four. Will tell. Yeah, four different ones uh, in particular. We're talking about the abstractive principles, which is a great confession. Yep. We both uh, are very fond of it. Fond. And then we were talking about the New Hampshire Confession of Faith of 1833. And then we're talking about the 1689 London Baptist and the 1647 Westminster Confession of Faith. All four of these are phenomenal mm-hmm. confessions of faith. Mm-hmm. I previously had my favorite as the abstract. After last episode, I think I switched to the New Hampshire. Wow, you're, you're breaking news break. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Breaking news. You did like real news. I did Sports Center. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I did anyway. Sports Center. <laughs> like a top ten play. Top ten worst plays. <laughs> Rob oh, with boy. Citizens Church Ohio shifts. <laughs> shifts. From, from the, the abstract, abstract to the New Hampshire. Rob, any comment on that? Yeah. Okay, so we are talking about these four and So seriously, uh any comment on why you shifted? I just I liked what the New Hampshire had to say about the church a little bit more. More clear. And as someone who is planting a church, I, I wanted that to be a really clear mm-hmm. portion of our statement mm-hmm. of faith. So um, as as we prepare to plant the church, we're not actually planted yet. So I have the freedom to be able to just change it like that. Uh, we just changed to the to the New Hampshire as our church's confession of faith. And, and between the New Hampshire and the abstract, it was kind of a toss-up for me anyways. I love both of those confessions. Right. But after looking at the one on the church a little bit closer... Um, Whenever we recorded that episode, wasn't I don't think it was last week, but whenever it was, I just I was like, you know what? I really like what the New Hampshire says here. So, 
after doing a little bit more digging and looking yeah. around, I decided, you know what, let's go ahead and make the switch. So we did. But now, this week, we are, we're talking about baptism. Baptism, yes right. we this are. Is, this is a big topic mm-hmm. because... It's kind of special, actually. It is a little bit special because it was the first topic first that episode. we covered on our podcast. Now, the first episode was us kind of explaining who we are. Um, and that was almost um, two years ago. March, March 5th, two years ago, we Dang. covered baptism. Yeah, so, yeah. So in, in Florida. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so we, and that was our most listened to episode to date. That's been our most listened to episode one of Baptism. It's probably the best best piece of production we've ever put out. Yeah. Audio-wise, no. Maybe content-wise, because I was really nervous about like not sounding like an idiot. Mm-hmm. And so I did a lot of research on it. But there were still some things in that episode that I wish I wouldn't, or that I wish I would have said. Yeah, that this hopefully, hopefully, I'll be able to say yeah. this time around. Great. We'll I see. wish you would put the same kind of effort in these days. But yeah, I'm just kidding. Life's too busy, man. <laughs> that was a joke. Listeners get what they're gonna get. Yeah. So today we are talking about baptism, and I'm gonna read through uh, the abstract of the abstraction, principle. the abstractions, the 1858 abstract of principles on baptism, and it says, "Baptism is an ordinance of the Lord Jesus." Obligatory upon every believer, wherein he is immersed in water in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, as the sign of his fellowship with the death and resurrection of Christ, of remission of sins, and of giving himself up to God to live and walk in newness of life. It is a prerequisite to church fellowship, meaning membership, and to participation in the Lord's Supper, Communion. Mm. Mm. The old abstract. Lord's Supper slash communion. Yep. But they don't actually have that. You just threw that in there. Correct. I'm just clarifying. So yeah. It's fellow, church fellowship. It's mean membership. Yep. Lord's Supper, communion. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Good. I, and that that oh. portion, go ahead. Were you nope. going to say something? Nope. Or are you sure? Are you sure you're not going to say something? Think about it. Eh, nope. Okay. Last chance. Okay, so here's the thing. Nice. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, the, the, the part that I really like about that is the last sentence that it's prerequisite to church fellowship mm. and to participation in the Lord's Supper. Mm. So I want to get this out right from the get-go because mm. this is the thing that I wish I would have said in that mm. second episode. There you go. That baptism, yes, like the thing that we most hear is that it's an in, it's an individual's public profession of their inward faith. Correct. It's an outward symbol of a change that's happened inwardly. And mm. some of the symbolism that people will use is they'll say that it's like it's like a wedding band. So a wedding band is that outward symbol that you yes. wear on your left if you're in western culture or at least mm-hmm. in America you wear on your left hand on your left ring finger and you uh, wear it to show that you are in fact married that you're in a covenant relationship with someone of uh, I mean marriage being union one man one woman that's a whole other topic but to show that you are in that covenant relationship right. with somebody and um, if you were to take that wedding band off, that doesn't mean that you're no longer married. Right. If you get married and you wait a few days to actually put that wedding band on, it doesn't mean that you haven't been married for those few days. It just means that the outward symbol isn't there yet. Um, so you want to go ahead and just put that thing on as soon as you can for those reasons. Right. So. So how do you feel about people who don't wear wedding rings and know they're married? Whatever. I mean, I think it'd be probably better for them if they did for the sake of trying to send the message that mm. I'm not single and ready to mingle. 
I see. Okay. Uh, but have, if, if you, you don't wear people one, people who don't wear running rings, they wear wedding wedding rubber bands. How about you learn how to say it first? How do you feel about people who don't wear wedding rings but wear wedding <laughs> rubber bands? <laughs> you mean a Kalo? Yeah, I'll, like I'll, what I got on my hand oh, here. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay, yeah. Things I like are just um, yeah. Those people are tools, man. You couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> As I wear one. <laughs> no. Uh, Your so, ring analogy, though. Yeah, exactly. So the analogy is that it's an inward, or it's an individual making a public profession of something that's happening inwardly. Mm-hmm. What I wish I would have said in that second episode, yes, is that not only is it the individual making a profession, uh-huh. but it's also the church. Mm-hmm. making a profession so that's one of the reasons why we think it's valuable to be baptized within the context of the local church yeah. now acts 8 mm-hmm. as we talked about in our pre-production would provide an, a, an exemption for that so it's it's not necessary that the Explain person acts 8 is with acts 8 being when the ethiopian eunuch mm-hmm. is is going along in the chariot and it's philip i believe who's sharing the gospel with him sharing uh through the book of Isaiah, and the eunuch looks to the side and he sees the river and he says, what's keeping me from being baptized? It's just him, the driver, and Philip. And Philip says, you know what? Let's go get you baptized. So that would provide an exemption from um, being baptized in the context of a local church. However, that wouldn't be the ordinary... This is the common practice. Yeah, not the common practice. So ordinarily, you'd be mm-hmm. baptized in the context of the local church. And the reason for that Mm -hmm. is because not only is baptism an individual profession of your faith, Mm -hmm. but it's also the church coming alongside and saying, we profess as the local body of Christ that this individual has in fact embraced the gospel as Mm -hmm. preached in this church and their life is a reflection of a life that has embraced that gospel. And so, therefore, we joyfully baptize them and bring them into our membership. So the individual says, I am affirming the gospel is preached in this church. And the church is saying, we affirm that that person has, in fact, embraced the gospel as preached in this church. And their life is consistent with that. And so, therefore, the two parties come together and the individual is baptized and brought into the larger body through membership. So, what the abstract says here, it's being, it is prerequisite to church fellowship. Mm -hmm. Not meaning you can't come on a Sunday or you can't go to a small group or you can't, you know, be involved with the the life of the body. Yeah. People there. Excellent. uh, Yeah. Excellent um, clarification there. But for formal church membership, Mm -hmm. it being a prerequisite for that, I would agree completely and then when it says that and it is also prerequisite to participation in the lord's supper we're going to talk about the lord's supper on the next time we get into the confessions but just real quick teaser quick tease them that baptism being that initial ordinance of publicly professing that you identify with the death burial and resurrection of christ for the forgiveness of sins and the washing away of sins and that you are dead to your old self and new a new person in christ yeah yeah the lord's supper is the ongoing Right. So um, I think I think it was nine marks. Probably and is. Probably Talk about them all the marked time. Ever, I know. And we'll, we'll um, link to one of their episodes that talks about this, but um, is either them or somebody else, but they use the illustration of the ordinances as the baptism being the seat at the table where the family meal takes place and the family mm-hmm. meal being the Lord's Supper. Yeah. So 
in order to be admitted to the Lord's Supper, you should first be, have done that initial um, ordinance of identifying with Christ because the Lord's Supper is that continual ordinance of continuing to identify with Christ. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a tension there, and you'll find um, a lot of churches, there, the, how they practice the Lord's Supper is uh, not always, like membership isn't required, baptism isn't required, uh, there's, there's not a whole lot of constraints. So there's a, a little bit of difficulty there, even as a church, a church plant, trying to, to kind of d- redirect some of those things, and, and it's something to do slowly, but... You need to be uh, serious about it. But yeah, so that's the abstract of principles. We're going to go through, uh, obviously, the, the other three confessions and kind of riff on those. I really enjoy how the New Hampshire starts out. It just kind of clarifies. It says, we believe that Christian baptism is the immersion in water of a believer into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. And that might seem like, well, no doubt. Like, that's we all kind of know what baptism is. You know, there's the person and they're in the, the lake or they're in the pond or the pool or the baptismal in a church or a water trough and they you know the priest kind of does the whole thing or the pastor dunks them I baptize you in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit the thing about the clarification that it brings right out the gate is there is actually actually confusion there i, I knew a, a couple who they were they only were their kids baptized in the name of jesus and that was per their apostolic background because the apostolic doesn't really hold to the trinity they hold to god the father god the son the Holy Spirit in a, in a kind of a unique complex way that I really don't even grasp but they, they do not baptize um, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit but just in the name of Jesus and this again points also to the immersion it's not sprinkling um, baptism is symbolic and there are people who actually cannot I think go into and get some immersed in water and so you have to be accepting of that but the common practice again common way we do this is through immersion um, not through sprinkling and it's a believer it's someone who who, who has faith in Christ is that a helicopter or something I think it's just another utility vehicle mm, they're all around yeah a lot of utilities here mm, lots of utilities you know? but yeah just I love how, how the New Hampshire just cracks up their open cracks open their confession on baptism with like this is just what it is right out, right out the gate yeah I think it's, I think it's Martin Luther that said that a person's um, baptism is as valid as their statement of faith or as their um, profession of faith. So mm-hmm. he talks about babies. He's like, yeah, yeah, that baptism is as valid as their profession of faith. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, not babies so not going to and, and again, this is where we'll talk about this a couple times as we talk about baptism. But as uh, as Baptists, as we're not we're not Presbyterian, we hold to believers' baptism or credo baptism. There should be a confession of faith before you can be baptized, whereas Presbyterians are paedo-baptists. They believe that they can baptize infants into a, a covenant of sorts. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a great authority on that as far as what all they believe, but yeah, we're going to see that as we go through the, the London Baptist Confession and the Westminster, Westminster Confession. This is where they kind of divide up. Yeah, so typically the London, the 1689 London Baptist Confession and the um, Westminster Confession of Faith typically are... Typically. Carbon, carbon copies. copies. Carbon, carbon copies. Carbon. That's the phrase we keep using. Um, of one another. They are very similar in many ways. And it's because the London Baptists just took everything that they liked about the Westminster and kept it. And then they just, whatever they slightly disagreed with, they upgraded it in better ways, in my opinion. But um, Presbyterians would disagree. But um, <clears throat> what is it? 
we were going to talk about. Were you get, about to get into the dipping aspect of it? Yeah. So. Well, actually, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh uh, no! You know what? You already you already talked about the person. I highlighted this portion of being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the London. Yeah, yeah I was waiting for you, but you never. You got already it. got it, man. But I mean, just to reemphasize. Uh, yeah, reemphasize it. I mean, that's one of the things that. Um, I kind of have a funny tone going, so I'm just gonna reset. But the that 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 is one of the things that separates a Christian baptism from um, perhaps like a Mormon baptism or Jehovah's Witness baptism or even like Oneness Pentecostal, which may be that Jesus where you're only baptized in the name of Jesus, but Christians affirm the Trinity. Mm-hmm. That's We talk about um, theological triage, first tier, second tier, third tier, first tier. If you disagree with this, you just can't call yourself a Christian. Second tier, if you disagree with this, then you just probably uh, worship in a different church third tier you can disagree with it and still worship in the same church but first tier the trinity would be a first tier issue Did you say bert tier first tier bert tier bert tier left side bert tier's mama strong side, side. first tier so Great movie. it's it's a, a matter of orthodoxy yeah yep. if you if you do not affirm the trinity mm-hmm. then you just you will, out yeah you, you're not you're not in the household of faith and it's because scripture is very clear that there are many instances where Jesus is called God, where the Holy Spirit is called God, and obviously the Father is called God. And so we let me pitch you something to you, though. Go ahead, pitch. I know some. I know some. Hopefully, it's slow pitch softball. But slow pitch, right? It's not right up the middle. It's a complex kind of question. Okay. But maybe it's maybe, so maybe it's not slow it. pitch. It's fast pitch with a curve. Oh, okay. Um, I have some friends who are who are in this apostolic faith. Okay. And, and like they would hear everything we'd hear, but and I, the and talking to them, I think they do believe in the Trinity. They just have been taught not to use that language. But it's like everything you're saying, like that's it. But you're just not willing to to use this term that has been developed in church history that is highly reliable and that we all use to acknowledge a doctrine. Yeah. So it's like they acknowledge the doctrine, but aren't able to label it the same way we are. And it's a little bit confusing. And it's like, man, where where are they? It's hard for me to kind of. I want to pin them down, like, like theologically. Okay, where are they at? But it's it's kind of evaded me a little bit. Like, I don't know, because if you just strictly speaking, they're they're saying, well, we don't believe the Trinity. So right off the gate, you're like, okay, they're unorthodox. Yeah. But then when they explain what they believe about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's the Trinity. Now I haven't gone deep enough. As I say, with all these I would be hesitant to comment on it without without knowing more no, about come it. Come on, Rob, you're not hesitant to comment on anything. Come on now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Rob's going to take a hard pass. I think I'm going to take a hard okay. pass. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep talking to him, trying to figure th- out what they believe and figure out what I believe about what they believe. Yeah. I, I mean, just, just the I fact... I knew you couldn't pass <laughs> just, just the fact that they are avoiding that language mm-hmm. means that there are some deeper things going on. Well, sure. To yeah. where... And again, baptism for the individual is saying, I affirm the gospel as preached by this church. And the mm-hmm. church saying the gospel that we preach here has, in fact, from what we can tell, been embraced by this individual and their life right. reflects that. And so if the individual is embracing the gospel as preached by a church that may be preaching a false gospel, then it, it wouldn't be a valid baptism. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the apostolic, why the apostolic church does that. <clears throat> But if it's for deeper reasons, because maybe they believe different things about yeah. the gospel, then I would be hesitant to say that it's a valid baptism. All right. But again, that is coming from 
a position of ignorance. I just don't know where they stand. Yeah. And then, we talked a little about the New Apostolic Reformation, but I still wouldn't. Well, this is a little. This is different than that. Okay, so see, yeah. position of ignorance. Um, so back to the London Baptist Confession, though. Talk yeah. about Baptists and the London Baptist Confession, and point two of their baptism. They do also talk about believers' baptism, and they say those who do actually profess repentance towards God, faith in, and obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ are the only proper subjects of this ordinance. Mm, I want to hear you talk about this. This is good. So what they're, they're saying, in a sense, is you have to be able to um, make a profession that you have repented of your, your sin towards God, you have faith in, and you're being obedient to Jesus Christ. This is something that an infant cannot do or a young or a young child cannot yeah, do. Yeah, so Finley, she's about to turn two. We're going to baptize her here in the pool. Are we? No. Do we? Is, is That's that, a joke. Is that why you bought all that? Yeah. <laughs> Soda pop? Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Um, so, so I'm going to jump over to the Westminster and just kind of say what, what they say. And the verse, this is uh, section 3 and 4, and they say, Dipping of the person into the water is not necessary, but baptism is rightly administered by pouring or sprinkling water upon the person. Point 4. Not only those that do actually profess faith in obedience to Christ, but also the infants of one or both believing parents are to be baptized. So here we see a clear split between the Baptist perspective of credo, there must be a confession, uh, 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 identification that you repent of your sin and turn to Christ compared to the, the Presbytery, the, the Pado-Baptist view of um, baptizing an infant or sprinkling someone because of uh, their their lineage, their parents are, a, or w- at least one parent is a believer. Yeah, clear separation there. And just just but to go ahead, I say that the the reason that we we believe and we believe here at Simple Theology, um, in credo baptism or, or the baptism of believers is we just say Scripture is really clearly abundantly, over and over again where it's a it's a person confessing their faith. Yeah. Um, Mark sixteen sixteen says he who has believed. Has been, has been baptized, not he who, who his parents believe or his parents were a believer. Again, Acts 8, even there with a the eunuch, you know, it's an adult who says, I confessing and I believe. Yep. Um, and the problem with, th- again, the Pado baptist view is you're, I- and again, I, I know it all co- ties back to, co- to covenant theology in some regards, but you're giving people a false sense of security. When you can say, "Oh, you're baptized as a child," you're you're in the faith, you're in the covenant. When that person, that has nothing to do with their heart, at all. So yeah. I don't know where you're gonna jump in on that, but um, man, you I look like you're getting ready to pounce on something. I was earlier. I don't really remember what I was going to say. Uh, oh yeah, I do now. So the the biggest distinctive even between Baptists and or Credo Baptists, those who say that. In order to be baptized, you need to make a credible profession of faith. Mm-hmm. And pedo baptists those who are willing to baptize infants, is not necessarily immersion. So it, it's important. I mean, the Greek Correct. word baptizo means to immerse. And we see Jesus going into the water and coming out of the water. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we see each instance of baptism being um, essentially immersion. We don't... Yeah. I mean, there's some passages in the Old Testament about sprinkling, and I, and I understand where um, Presbyterians or Lutherans may, may come up with that. I just don't think that argument holds as much water as the... 
Yeah, no pun intended. Um, holds as much water as the the Baptist perspective. But with that being said, even Baptists mm-hmm. would make exceptions for those who are providentially hindered to allow them to be baptized through the pouring of water. Right. Yeah. And the the main thing that Baptists are trying to say is that you have to be able to make a credible profession of faith. Correct. That you don't get baptized just because your parents are believers, because baptism is right. that initial act outwardly of saying I believe the gospel as preached by this church and an infant just isn't able to do that so just want to throw out there that the the primary difference yes it, there is a big difference in in mode and we believe that immersion based off the original word based off what we see in scripture is the proper way however yes. the more important issue is the credible profession of faith because even Greek Orthodox folks they will immerse infants, mm-hmm. and and ba- that doesn't mean that Baptists are okay with it because right, it's immersion. because it's immersion. No, we say they, that individual needs to make a credible profession of faith. Yeah, it's funny. It's, if you, so church history is kind of uh, what's well, a really fascinating thing and something we should all study and need, need to know more about. But especially in more Western culture, we, after the Reformation, um, the Protestant Reformation, you see a lot of splits, denominations, and churches dividing. I'm trying to think of the church. Um, one of the churches, and I don't want to start throwing out names because it could be wrong, but they they split over how to do immersion. One, it was backwards three times. One, and someone else was like it was forwards, and they couldn't they couldn't agree on no it. So they, oh yeah, absolutely. So like, how many times you dunk them, and which direction they go, and it's like, man, this is uh. There's re- there's good healthy reasons that we have different denominations. That is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting as we just dive into the confessions, there are a lot of thoughts that people have like about baptism. Um, it stirs up sometimes a lot of emotion because people, they hold on to their baptism as like a, uh, when they don't really know what they believe anymore, but they know, hey, I was baptized. Yeah. I, was, I partook in this religious act, and there's there's got to be some kind of meaning in that. Yeah. And essentially there is. Um, in a broader sense, but for them, maybe not if they don't believe in yeah. Christ. Yeah. Okay, so real quick, okay, let's just answer let's, some, let's be quick some potential it. questions five seconds. that a listener may have. So I've written some of these down. Are you going to ask me or am I asking you? I'm going to ask you. <sighs> okay. So are you ready? Well, you took all the notes, so maybe I should ask you. Nope. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So is being baptized outside of the church okay? Yes. Okay. What Would that be, you want to elaborate on that? or No. You said short. Oh, okay. No. Elaborate a I little think bit. W- as we as we start out the whole episode saying like there is, it is the exception. It's definitely not the rule. You know, you could be traveling somewhere and you know, or some kind of situation where you um, there's confession of faith. There was gen- seemed to be a genuine confession of faith and regeneration. Person need to be baptized. You can baptize them without the church there. Um, we see this with the again with Philip and the eunuch. I don't think it's the rule. I don't think it should be the practice. I don't think people should like, you know, getting in the buses, head to the ocean as a, as a college group or a high school and like everyone's getting baptized now or, or everyone get on your plane, go to to Israel and go to Jordan, Jordan. right? You, the, the practice we see in scripture that scripture points to is this is a a function, an ordinance that happens in the body of Christ, in the local body. So these are, these are with people who are there to witness um, your regeneration to see that you are, have changed. They're there to hold you accountable to 
when you're struggling with your faith or when there's issues, they they can point back to your baptism. People that you are submitting to as elders, you're submitting to as well. Those who have authority over your uh, soul. Yeah. Okay. So with with what you said there yes. about elders, yeah. those mm-hmm. who have authority over your soul, mm-hmm. how would you advise the parent who is not an elder, who wants to baptize their child, maybe in the context of a church service? Okay. Fine. Um, I not, would say not ordinary practice, but not okay. ordinary. It's there. I don't think we can say definitively no. Yep, I agree. Um, I would say it's not the practice we see in Scripture. Yep. Uh, it, it again, because in the West we just we have altered a lot of things. Um, it's become like, hey, let the let the parent baptize them, or let the some kind of spiritual mentor baptize them. And I really get the heart of the, of what's going on there. Like this yeah. is someone who's really significant in their life and their walk. And as a parent, like to be able to do that with your child, that's really special. Um, but again, I think what we see is it's the elders of the church who who are to protect and shepherd and guard and lead the church. And one of the ways they do that is through the ordinances. So they, as we talked before about fencing the table, at the Lord's Supper at communion. You know, you protect the the body by kind of identifying who is a part of the body. Yeah, who's in, who's and, out. And if you're not a believer, this isn't for you. Um, and then same with baptism. You're there to, to lead and guide and then make sure that's a credible confession of faith, all those things. And then I think the, the practice is for the elders to, to do the baptizing. Yeah, yeah. Again, ordinary practice. If yeah. if a parent is adamant about it, then yeah, sure. Now whatever. I think if, like, it, it's hard because once you start combining the two where, like, it's a family, they don't have a church and they don't really go to church, but they're believers. And they might genuinely be believers but because they don't go to church they don't have a body they're not under elders they just baptize their own kid in the pool or at the you know mm-hmm. at the ocean and and i'm not that doesn't make that baptism invalid yeah if, if their heart is regenerate and like they're genuine about their baptism but it, it's not nearly as beneficial um for for that individual being baptized because when you're baptized in the local church by the local church they're the ones saying like we believe we affirm this yeah. in you and there are days when you just you you do doubt things, yeah. and to say you know like the elders of my church believe that they baptize you know yeah. it's just a, that, that's you don't take that too far but it's, yeah it's good. That, I mean again that's one of the things that I I was going to point out was that like man as a parent I mean <coughs> excuse me I got a little right. attack there You're a little choked up about that yeah um, it's it's almost a greater privilege and I know this might be difficult but as a parent mm-hmm. I would be more excited if Finley was adamant that she wanted to be baptized and she's if let's say i wasn't pursuing full-time ministry um, or pastoral ministry in any sense and she said dad i i would be fine if you baptize me however i really want the leaders of the church i want to submit myself to them because they they are responsible for shepherding and caring for my soul i would be overjoyed to hear that she has that rich of an understanding of the church and that she is that serious about identifying with the local expression of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So if you're a parent, I would encourage you, encourage your kids to, to let their pastor baptize them, but we're spending more time on this. Well, and and you might, you might, they might have a conversation with their pastor. The pastor's like, heck no, like you want to baptize your kid? Like I'm here to like, I think most churches would say that, you know, and and so we're not here to create division. Yeah. We're just telling you our opinion because it's our podcast. We can do that. It's our (laughs) podcast. We got our mics. (laughs) Exactly. And, uh, it's, it's a touchy issue, though, I, I, but that's where we stand on it. Yeah. Okay, so um, 
for the individual out there who says, I was baptized as an infant. Mm-hmm. Should I be rebaptized? Tough, tough question. I would say yes. Um, I agree. Again, because if there wasn't a credible profession of faith, I don't think you could have a credible baptism. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't mean that he, I think you've been willfully rejecting the Lord all these years or walking in, dis- in no full willful disobedience, but Scripture teaches, I believe that it is a confession that you are a believer, then you are baptized. Yeah. And so that would be my encouragement. Yeah, credible baptism follows a credible profession of faith. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, does baptism save? No. Hot negative. Hot negatory. So here's the thing. There there has been, there's verses that, there's a couple verses that say um, you must believe and be baptized to be saved. And so people will take those passages and say, listen, you have to be baptized to be yeah. saved. And if you don't have the greater context of that chapter in that, that book, and then of the whole New Testament, um, you might be convinced by that argument. Yep. But we see where instances in the New Testament, one, the thief on the cross was not baptized, yep. and he was saved. Two, we know clearly that um, baptism is a, it's an act. It's a, a work in a sense, and we cannot be saved from our works. We yeah. can't do anything to save ourselves. So if we have to be baptized to be saved, that means I'm I'm achieving my own salvation. I'm working for it, and I now have earned it, and you can't earn your salvation. Yep, yep, absolutely. So here's another one. This one might you you think go. about it a little bit. Jeez. So for the person out there who says, I was baptized as a believer. Yes but I didn't understand the gospel like I do now. Or let's say they instead said, I walked away and came back to the faith. Mm-hmm. Should I be rebaptized? Um, well, I think those are two separate things because hopefully they don't understand the, the gospel the same way they did when they first baptized. They're growing, maturing, yep. and they're understanding. Yep. And so things are a little more clear. Um, and so, and I, yeah, I would say no to, to both, but I'll yep. uh, uh, kind of beating around the bush on that. Yeah, so for the, those who... Whether they don't they see the gospel in a new way because they just kept on maturing and or they kind of wandered for a while or they maybe they felt like they walked away and came back, I would say Philippians one six I say this all the time says he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion. Yeah. yeah. So if you have returned to Christ or your fervor for Christ has reignited in your passion about your faith, your your walking repentance, your in the local church, all those things are happening. And I would say, yeah, it, it, everything would point to the fact that that was a, a genuine confession and repentance and baptism the first time around. Yeah, and the Lord's completing yep. the work and that he, he started. Keep, yep. and, and the fact that you're still here, it's his work of grace. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Agree on all of your responses. I guess wow. we can continue doing the show together. Whew. That was tough. Yeah. I was worried. I, I was worried I was going to have to... find a host yeah. for the show. Well... It was going to be awkward because we're going to do all the audio and send it to you to, like, up, you know, do it all and post it. And it wouldn't be you, but. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the program would be better, I'm sure. I'm sure. All right. So that's baptism. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We've already gone no, I think nearly 40 I, minutes. I think it's important. I think uh, just one common misconception. I think some people think baptism is optional. Like, Yeah, hey, hit on that a little bit. Yeah, that's good. I, just, I think people think, you know, if some people, they feel the need and. And they really feel like they need to be baptized. That's great, but you know you don't have to for salvation. And because you don't have to for salvation, it's not necessary. It's like, well, yeah, but you don't have to. Um, there's a lot of things you don't have to do for salvation. 
yeah. you still need to do, mm-hmm. like being faithful to your spouse. You know, like yeah. being obedient to the scripture. And baptism is a command. Yeah. We're commanded to be to be baptized. And so people need to take that seriously. And that's just something I've found a lot of people like, ah, I'm thinking about baptism. And you can kind of be like, hey, if you're a genuine believer, until you're baptized, you're, you're walking in disobedience, actually. Yeah. And yeah. I know it's strong and that's kind of heavy-handed, but, I mean, that's what Scripture teaches. It's not a matter of, oh, now I'm waiting till I feel convicted or I'm waiting till it's the right time. Like, if you feel like, if you're a true believer and you've, and you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. You need to go to your pastor and say, hey, I want to be baptized. Here's why. And either, you know, as soon as they have a baptism service or however they do it, like, be baptized. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's, here's another question for you. So, yeah, I, I thought of something else here. So in the New Testament, it tends to be the normal practice for as soon as somebody making, as soon as someone makes a profession of faith, they immediately get baptized. Would you, would you support something like that today? Is that something that you would try to do in your church? Is that something that you'd be cautious of? And if so, why? I think, I think we as a culture have gone to the other side where we'll do baptism services once or twice a year, and if people don't like fit them in, then that's all we do. Yeah. I think we need to be filling up the, the baptismal more often, expecting there's one conversions and there's believers who have yet to be baptized. So, you know, someone calls me at 3 a.m. and said, hey, you know, I got this person, they just made a profession of faith, like, let's head over to the river, baptize them. I was like, yeah, I think we can, I think we have some time. Like, this isn't a matter of salvation, and you know, we can do this with the whole body. So yeah. I think that's the beauty of waiting till you can get the whole body together, the church, I mean, yeah. together to, to perform the baptism. But I would, s- let's say, sooner rather than later. Yes. So I'm not for the, like, every six months or maybe once a quarter, but I'm not for the, like, spur of the moment. You know, let's talk so about let's so talk about why they what they believe. I want to hear their testimony. I want to hear why they are accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, kind of what brought them to that to kind of validate their their confession and then uh yeah i you know i think some people are like hey let's wait and see if they're genuine and i don't i don't think that's wise yeah um because that's not for us to, to determine yep so no I, I i agree with you completely the um the whole waiting in, until wait until we see if they're genuine or not i would say why don't you just meet with them yeah and see if they can articulate the gospel if they're professing that they do believe it and there seems to be credible evidence in their life that they do. Right. And credible evidence may be that they just now have a love for God that they didn't have a month ago. Right. And and now, if, t- if let's say you're preaching and somebody comes up to you after the sermon and says, I heard the gospel, I believe it, can I get baptized right now? Yeah. I, I, would, caution, I would caution that pastor to just maybe slow down a little bit. Don't mm-hmm. try to, you don't have to fill up the tub that day. Set up a time to meet with the person, right. like you said, understand their testimony. Um, let another elder do a baptism interview as well alongside so that it's not just you making the decision. Right. And then also, one of the things that, that I really like, um, and this isn't something that I came up with by any means, but just be, uh, an individual being able to either give their testimony before the congregation or have an elder share their testimony before the congregation and let the congregation know who is being baptized and affirm the fact that this person is being baptized as a congregationalist. I just love that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I would say you don't have to do it right away if the person got saved. I think the reason for that is because one of the reasons we're cautious or a little slower than what we see in the New Testament is because in the New Testament to 
to affirm that Jesus is king mm-hmm. rather than Caesar, right, or, or whoever the ruler was at that time, meant that you were literally risking your life. And so if someone's publicly professing that, then they're almost certainly genuine. Yes. Yeah. Um, today, we just don't have the same kind of persecution. And so it's it's much easier. And as shepherds of people's souls, we just want to make sure that they actually do understand the gospel before we go ahead and, as a church, affirm that they have embraced the gospel through us baptizing them. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's it's important that we... Um, Again, as you said, people can articulate their their the gospel. I mean, they're not going to be able to articulate it like a mature believer would. Exactly. But they're pointing the fact that Jesus is is God. Yeah. He's paid the price for their sins, and they're repenting. They're sorry for those things, and they want to follow after Jesus. Yeah. And are willing for, to, they want Jesus to kind of change everything about them. Yeah. Just as a, a testimony to that, mm-hmm. I uh, I still have the CD that my parents gave me of a Christian band back when I was like eight or something like that, where I first mm-hmm. heard the gospel. Yeah. At the end of the CD, they shared it. I listened to it a few years ago, like yeah. the end of the CD, and I just shook my head. I thought, wow, God is incredible to have yeah. used that presentation <laughs> of the gospel to have saved me because yeah. that was about the most watered down version. Yeah. And and it's just the Lord can use yeah. can use that. And when someone shares the gospel or explains the gospel as they understand it, it's not going to be the same way that maybe you would, who's someone you've been a Christian for Five, ten, twenty years. So, right. yep. we certainly want to hear those main points that you, that Rick you mentioned, um, but don't expect it to be a full dissertation. Um, but yeah, that's baptism. There you go. Part of the ordinary means of grace, and um, I don't think we define that term, ordinary means of grace. But that's where we get the term ordinances, mm-hmm. uh, ordinary means of grace, and in reform circles, ordinary means of grace are baptism and the Lord's Supper, as well as the Word, which is predominantly preached. So, ordinary means of grace, word. the Word. Baptism in the Lord's Supper. So there you have it. There it is. That's hey. baptism, y'all. I'm sure we didn't cover everything, but nor, there's nor other. Nor could we, nor would we. Exactly. There's other fantastic resources out there that we will try to link to, and you could also do some research on your own. Hey, I just want to touch back on something I, I commented on a few weeks ago. I'm still waiting for the emails. Um, if you get, enough, if you get six emails, no, 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 Rob, no, no. We get a picture of Rob's high school picture up on the Instagram. Nope. Thankfully, so, we haven't gotten any. Need so. Six emails. Nope. All right. What do you mean, no? If they get six emails, we're going to post that bug. Yeah, guys, don't send me emails. You need to. Okay. Rick. Peace out, y'all. Have a good one. Proclamation trip.